Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you know a great story that you're dying to tell? Or maybe you have a really funny group of friends that loves to get together and talk about the latest in pop culture. Maybe you should start a podcast. Check out Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, for free, and you can use it right from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute it for you, so it can be heard everywhere, on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started, because your story needs to be told. You often get told as uh, not just an incel, but uh, anyone who really wants one thing necessarily and uh, can't get it. That's like, oh, well, just like change what you want. Like, uh, just think about it differently. It's kind of like telling a starving African kid, just be content with the little bit of like food you get here and there while you watch me eat this feast. Like, maybe I can get by like that. Maybe I can. But what kind of existence is that? I don't really want to live like that. Space Media. I'm Nama Cates, and this is Incel. Hello, world. It finally feels like springtime out here in the northeastern United States. The past couple weeks were freakishly cold, unseasonably cold and damp, but April showers seem to have brought me flowers at last. There's a bit of sun and, dare I say, optimism? Some loosening restrictions here and there? Don't come for me, I know we're all still squarely in panic mode and I will say no more, but in the spirit of spring, move on to a bit of housekeeping. Nothing fancy, just checking in. The upcoming schedule includes the following interviews with members of the community. Ignis, an endearing rice cell with a sunny disposition. Life Traveler, whose inseldom is born of an incredibly relatable medical issue. Grotesque Subhuman an incel whose notoriety warrants its own entry on the Black Pill Wiki, look him up if you dare, and Look Upon, who belongs to our incel exit, a relatively new incel-related subreddit with a unique mission. We'll also be scampering down the rabbit hole of Project Melody, the virtual Twitch streamer, read AI Porn Simulation, who's been outperforming real-life e-girls and causing quite a stir as part of our series on the convergence of sex in the net. And of course, we'll continue to follow up with our buddies, the previous guests of the show, and cover relevant breaking news when it comes up. 
This is a time of relative calm in the Encelosphere, so naturally the show will be reflecting that by branching out for more in-depth interviews and deep dives into topics of interest. I'll also drop in some short bonus episodes here and there for your quarantined enjoyment on anything relevant that may come up, like books or movies. Last week, for example, I reviewed the gorgeous and thought-provoking documentary That Feeling When No Girlfriend by Alex Lee Moyer. Check out the episode and the movie if you're curious, and let me know of any topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. The request line is open. Okay, so today we're going to pick up again with the delightful contemplation of Scorn Stoic after leaving off mid-conversation last week. Trigger warning. This conversation includes candid discussion of suicide and suicidal ideation about halfway through, so heads up if this is a difficult subject for you. We were talking theology, or the god pill, which he considers a cope. Here's why. And when you apply that on a macro scale, you start to see that. You ever see, for example, in a panel of wood, you see a face where, you, where there isn't a face there, and that's sure. going to explain how our brains are so pattern-seeking because of the way we evolved that we even see patterns where they aren't there. And I, I see humans do that constantly to the macro scale of the universe. When we look at the universe and we say, well, there must be a meaning to that because when we do things, there's a meaning to it. But we're, we're mistakenly applying that to a greater scale that isn't really there. When you look at things on a cosmic scale, it really is random. And I, there's no agency to be really found anywhere that we see patterns because we, we seek the patterns, but we're applying that ourselves. I don't think that either can be proven. I don't think that we can disprove sure. scientifically that there is no higher meaning or divinity. That's, uh, I'm an agnostic atheist in that regard. I think any self-respecting person would uh, be agnostic in that regard. I don't think anyone would try to make a knowledge claim on that. So I think that the fact that so many people have an innate sense of, of a divinity, of meaning, of faith, can be argued that it's because it's um, advantageous biologically, like you say, or it can be argued that there is something there. I would apply Occam's razor in that instance and say that uh, the simpler explanation would be a, a biological uh, evolutionary adaptation. Well, I find the simpler I find the simpler explanation to be that people believe it because there's something to it. That so many people over so many years have believed it. That entails necessarily then that that also entails that there's a God like that. That's what Occam's razor is, is that right. uh, by the way, the solution that you're pre pre uh, presenting that necessitates a God existing, which is an irreducibly complex solution versus just it was more advantageous than uh, for an animal to evolve that way. I find the latter explanation more complex. Like you say, a lot of people sort of find religion after some great trauma and things like you explained. Um, but once they do, you know, faith is just something that's there and that, you know, people either believe or they don't. But it changes a lot over time in life. And I don't think it's necessarily true that unless you're taught very young, there's no way that people would believe it. Really? I'm talking about organized religion here where... Uh... You yeah. think someone, an adult who's been raised independently as an adult without any knowledge of religion, someone who tries to convince them that a man walked on water and that the reason we're all here is that a uh, man eat, for, eat from an evil fruit and that, like, all of that you think would... <laughs> no, but uh, some sense of belief in the divine or in some higher meaning is probably something that would exist in, in great... Religion as much than we are God, then, in that sense. Okay. That's fair. This is an argument that sort of can't really be made, and there, there's no point in really trying to make it. I do find that people's opinions on it change in time. Uh, people go through phases and oftentimes return I don't to... Mean to it at all. It's just uh, something I actually find personally quite interesting. Uh, for so do I. 
uh, very talkative about it because I was so on one side and then went so on the other. I, I was raised in not my family wasn't strictly religious, but at the time that I was born, they were trying the religion thing really hard. So I really uh -huh. like, got into it myself. And yeah. uh, like, there was a period of time where I was like, I was praying every night, like after my uh, at my bed, like all the kind of the whole the whole shebang. And uh, never once in my entire life can I ever say that I ever felt a presence that there was anything over there, anything ever responding to me, ever listening. Um, and that was the first thing that like drove me down the path of like, okay, well, why is that? And every time I would ask any like priest or anything like that about that, they'd always say, well, you just have to have faith. And I'm like, okay, but faith is just belief without evidence, which is fundamentally irrational. Um, and that just started me down the whole rabbit hole of uh, looking down the evidence. And I guess that's that. Yeah. And, and it isn't a very interesting rabbit hole to go down, but uh, one argument I think that at least you can make for the utility of religion, at least for people, is that um, a lot of the tenets of the major religions are kind of there for people to overcome the more base and primal instincts and to be, you know, kind and generous and not to judge, though many people obviously pervert that quite a bit. Um, and, you know, to look for something higher and greater, you know, the idea of, of kindness and of charity, and that these are not things that uh, necessarily have an obvious benefit to the self, but religions encourage them. And religions also encourage people to look beyond the things that many incels talk about. I actually found a lot of these discussions on incels.co that maybe they were from a couple of years ago and maybe they happen less now. I don't go on there as much now, but there were some quite interesting discussions, some that I saw you post in actually about purpose and meaning and what makes somebody good and worthy. These get into sort of either philosophical, you could say, or sometimes theological discussions even. Mm -hmm we talk about the problems of people being shallow and being cruel and being selfish and narcissistic, which I think are, are huge problems growing infinitely more huge with cultural changes and technology, I think in social media and, you know, how superficial that all is. These traits were kind of offset with religious teachings that often went awry. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I understand that often they didn't accomplish the purpose. But and the purpose, I would agree with you. It's just, it's sad that that has to be the case. And I do think that there's a better way to do it. And I, I think that continuing to like keep these belief systems alive is detrimental because we see continually the effect that they have on our society. And it's just, it, it's, it's brain, like in the, in the original sense of the word, it's retarding in the sense that like it, it mm. slows progress, that like it, it's not necessary. And it's just, it's frustrating that we couldn't past that i feel like where i sort of disagree is that attempts ha have been made to get past that with sort of you know ethical humanism if you want to call it that and the idea mm -hmm. that uh, we can act on ethical and moral principles uh, without the need for any kind of religious teachings but i think that hasn't shown to really work you know, we've been going in that direction. For how long, though, really, have we really been trying that, though? Because if you look at the global numbers of religious people, like, up until extremely, extremely recently, like, about as recent as, like, the internet and, uh, yeah. like, modern technology, the vast, vast, vast majority of people were religious. So, I mean, right. we haven't really been trying the non-religious thing really at all. No, that's true. Over, you know, the 
big picture. We haven't been trying it for very long. I'd say a little bit longer than than the internet's been around. I'd say maybe the 60s and 70s and sort of a lot of the arguments of postmodernism. But they weren't very influential. That's that's the kind of thing. Like they were new uh, burgeoning grassroots movements, but they, they weren't really, they hadn't taken hold yet is my kind of point. In the 90s, you kind of saw a bit of a revolution of uh, like these new new age ideas kind yes. of starting to take hold because the, the kids were now getting old enough to kind of propagate the ideas themselves rather than just like listen to the professors. But I mean, it's a very new idea system. Like this whole atheism, like, even uh, Germany, who like in Europe is a pretty like atheistic country, even yeah. here over half still profess to be religious, like uh, believe in the Christian God. Like even mm-hmm. today in twenty twenty, like right, and that's uh, to me that's kind of an argument for it. The people have a need for it. Maybe um, you can kind of look down on on it or on it's an appeal to popularity, though. That yeah, everyone's doing it, so it must be right. Well, or, or it just, it's, people aren't letting go of it because there's something, uh, intrinsic about it. And, you know, sometimes maybe that's something that just makes people feel better. You know, the idea that life is suffering and toiling away, which, you know, we can argue that it is life is sort of inherently sad because it ends because it, you know, it's finite. And that's the thing is that that's kind of what I was getting at with the whole not to be offensive with it, but kind of mental weakness, because that's, that is the saddest thing. Like it, objectively, like death is the saddest thing. It's, it, the entirety of a person is now ending. They're never going to be ever again, that everything about that person is just, is gone now. And the people who love that person is going to have to live with that. That is the saddest thing. And that's okay for that to be the saddest thing. We have to acknowledge that and live with that rather than just mentally blocking that and, and and coping with it by saying oh now they're in magical like cloud land like no they're not they're gone and that that's what makes it sad and that's and by the way that's actually what gives life meaning if, if they were in magical cloud land life would have no meaning all of the, what we're doing now would just be a big whole fucking uh much ado about nothing really like it wouldn't really mean anything the fact that right. this is fighting that it ends at one point is what gives it meaning right now i would say that that meaning is uh sadly relative to each person but Yes, it is. Um, I'm curious if right now you're 21, if you are in school. Technically, I was um, just in learning uh, German class. But in between the A2 and B1, there's a stupid political course that I was doing. And then I got interrupted by Corona. So now I'm in literally limbo land. I have no idea what's going on. The uh, school is not telling us. So let's say coronavirus aside, <laughs> global pandemic aside, do you have plans for yourself for the future? As of now, it would pos- uh, probably just be the uh, company that my father uh, is at. Um, my brother is also doing a, a similar, uh, not the same, but a similar trade at that company. It's, it's a big company that kind of does stuff like that. Of course, I don't want to be like too, too specific. Yeah. But, uh, I've basically been talks about uh, going through an apprenticeship program like sponsored by that um, company like, after I finish my B2 levels. That would basically be my intensive plan right now. Okay. I don't know if I'm uh, necessarily going to make it that far, but uh, we'll see. Is it something that interests you? It's more so about uh, trying to find a field that has good, like, fuck you money so I can just try to, like, live my life on my own. I don't know. I'm yeah, something pragmatic. Kind of over most of the traditional uh, life path things people are usually on. Such as? Like the whole house, kids, wife, obviously that's not really going to be uh, in my wheelhouse anymore. So You think you can say that at 21? I think uh, I, I could say that at like 15 uh, <laughs> after my life. 
From what I know about the incel community, the average age is quite young, younger than you probably, the median age and the mean age. But a lot of the people that I speak to are a little bit older. And um, one of the really great uh, researcher that I've spoken to several times for the show, uh, Ken Reedy, who focuses on researching terrorism and things like that, but has a really great outlook and kind of took an, in an interest in this, um, is that he talks about how uh, with adult males, especially, I think with, with women too, but with, with men, the frontal lobe of the brain, the frontal cortex isn't fully developed until the mid to late twenties. And a lot of things change then a lot of views change then. Um, and so you're not even necessarily exactly the same person and you're scientifically oriented. So, you know, this should speak to you. Uh, just. Well, I've you know, read about that many times. Yeah. Um, so you, you think that because of the, results of your cumulative experiences until now, you can sort of determine what the rest of your life will look like. And I understand that because that's been your experience until now. But um, it's not even literally that I could uh, predict how my life is going to go out because my life has been pretty unpredictable until this point. It's okay. more so that I can predict that it's going to continue to get worse because it's only ever gotten worse. And the, the things that would change that, uh, I can confidently say are not going to happen. Because those are reliant upon things like socialization that I've just, like, there's few things, like, as someone interested in philosophy that I can say with, like, certainty. And the fact that I'm just other, that I am set apart from other people in a way that is just irreconcilable with them for some reason is just a fact. I That is one of the few things I just incontrovertibly cannot get around. And that that will impede most things that would enable my life to get better. You have many interests and a lot of areas I think that you're quite knowledgeable about. It sounds to me like you read quite a bit. Do you have any interest in exploring those things more? One of the things I, I speak about with Ken is just this idea of purpose and that like a great many of, I think are, you know, the canon of authors, whether it's literature or philosophy or many other things probably went through similar struggles you can read it in their writing. Yeah. The isolated, ostracized, lonely observer of human nature. I just joked that I identified a lot with Hamlet. With Hamlet, yes. <laughs> uh, Sarge was actually asking me about what fictional characters I can think of any characters from literature that were incels. And Hamlet was one that I named that I said, you know, he, he had his little thing with Ophelia, but I'd say otherwise he fits the criteria. Also, a lot of the James Joyce characters, many in Dostoevsky. David Foster Wallace. So sort of a lot of great literature comes out of this loneliness and being other and being outside. And not a lot of joy for the person. You look at people like uh, Franz Kafka, sometimes the, mm -hmm. the stream of what you're talking about, while it may produce the greatest uh, art or whatever, it, it also produces equal amount uh, for the other person. And when no one cares about what you have to say, like someone like me, it's uh, no real point in doing any writing like that if, if no one really gives a shit. Yeah, maybe, but you don't really know if they give a shit until you do it. Well, up until this point, I can uh, I can say that's been mostly my experience. Well, I'll just tell you that uh, you know I still think you're very, very young, and I do understand why you feel the way that you do. But I also think that a lot can change, whether it's you know whether it's a change in this 
condition or just something else, you know, everyone has a, a need for some kind of meaning to their lives. And I speak to a lot of people who feel like they don't have any or they can't find any, but it doesn't always stay that way. And I understand why so many people say that to me because I do hear that so often because in the majority of cases, that's, that's the case, but there's also the times where it isn't. And uh... like you say, not everybody meets a happy ending. <laughs> not everybody finds their purpose. There's it's, it's silly to argue with that and to say that everyone does. That's, that's something that I would put in squarely in the blue pilled camp to say that everybody finds that that's obviously not true, but it could be true. You often get told as uh, not just an incel, but uh, anyone who really wants one thing necessarily and uh, can't get it. That's like, oh, well, just like change what you want. Like, uh, just think about it differently. And that can work to a degree. But if you've had a really shit life, it's not as simple as just change your thinking. It's kind of like telling a starving African kid to just, you know, just be content with the little bit of like food you get here and there while you watch me eat this feast. Like. After a certain while, you're just going to be like, no, I, I don't want to. Like, yeah, maybe I can get by like that. Maybe I can. But is it, what kind of existence is that? I don't really want to live like that. So does that lead you to not wanting to live at all? Most times, yeah. Would you say that you are suicidal? Since pretty much as long as I can remember, yeah. Incel will continue after a short break from our sponsors. If you're enjoying this episode of Incel, Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. This is one of the best ways to help spread the word so that others can discover it as well. Hello, world. I finally did it. I set up a Patreon. It's just my name, www.patreon.com slash and there... Newly incentivized and free from the evil eye of leering detractors, I'll be releasing episodes early and ad-free, along with bi-weekly bonus episodes, weekly blog posts, articles, and polls so that I can hear from you. So if you support the show, please consider subscribing at any tier. Can't wait to develop some community outside of Twitter. Patreon.com slash N-A-A-M-A-K-A-T-E-S. Check it out. Have you ever, and you don't have to answer this obviously, but have you ever actively tried or made some kind of plan for that or anything? Tried, no. Uh, implemented a plan, like trying to, yeah. I guess how, implementing a plan or, or making a plan? More so like looking into methods to try to find out what would be actually like fatal and not risk because I was often... Uh, I've always been terrified of the idea of trying and then failing and being in a worse position, like a paraplegic or something. So I've right. uh, done a lot of research on reading about uh, like how to properly like tie a noose or uh, those kind of things. Hmm. But how often would you say that you think about that? Good portion of every day. Is there anything that you find joy in? at this point probably not in the last like recent like few years i would say maybe like my dog when i was in canada um i love dogs but that's about it basically um i find like i I'd still have like a, a bit of passion for things like history or like interesting topics like that but it's not nothing's ever actually like profound happiness it's never been any sort of like actually meaningful happiness it's always been surface it's always been a distraction to keep away from something else 
I had one friend in, in early school and that was honestly the worst part because by having that, you can, you can, it's a litmus test for the rest of it to be able to know that, oh, that, that's what normalcy is like. And to know that, okay, so I, I'm not normal because I, I know what that's like. And no, it, it, it's never been that ever again. A friend, you mean? Even, even yeah, having made, a friend? Yeah, one made out of uh, circumstances where we were both equally outcast. So it was a expedient relationship. And when did that friendship end and why? Um, stupid petty fight around like 10 years old and then, yeah. You haven't found a, an IRL friend since then? <clears throat> uh, no. It, if I'm being honest, it was a girl and it ended because of the reasons you're expecting, so. Mm, okay. What about your friendships online? Um, not really, like, super strong ones. Like, there's a few users on .co that uh, I, like, have a private chat with or, uh, like, like a group chat of, of private messages or um, I'll message back in the day. It's been mostly fleeting, like, in the first uh, little area that I joined up, the uh, first time period that I joined up in, there was a few people, but a lot of people get banned. Like, I was good, I was fairly good friends with the registered username, like, uh, him mm -hmm. and I uh, messaged a lot. Yeah. And then he got banned and then he was gone. Um... I, I, I talked a lot with a user called uh, Insomniac in the beginning, and then it came out that I uh, believe he was like a major fake cell in the sense that uh, pictures were leaked that he was like, and it, it, he was talking about apparently having like multiple girlfriends or whatever, and then he just went like completely dark, and uh, I didn't really have a huge. He was also like huge into the fucking anti-Jew shit, so I was just like, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, a registered username or Reggie, he's still, he was banned from .co, but I mean, he's on Discord and stuff. I, yeah, I've mean, talked occasionally here and there, but it's just, I, I know it sounds stupid, but it's just like, it's it's hard for me to even really get that engaged in online, online relationships because it's just, I've spent so much of my life alone, honestly, like for so long, people either thought that I was doing okay or didn't care. And because of that, when I was like a little kid, I didn't know any better. So I just thought that's what life was. And I spent so much like that, that then when I got into like adolescence, that was all I ever knew and was comfortable with. So I just perpetuated that. And it's gotten me to this point now where I'm 21 and I've literally spent the vast majority of my life either in a room alone or like just, like there's been so little interaction. It's I've isolated just encapsulates my entire life. That one word isolation just encapsulates me entirely. So how do you spend the majority of your days? Well, before the whole lockdown shit, it was uh, the days that I had school, go to school, come back, read history, video games, not really like a whole lot. Like there were, there's not really any people that I know here that, since moving here, but it really wasn't any different when I was in Canada. It was, uh, but after I got out of high school, I was uh, working at a grocery store for two years. Uh, I would, I, I was working a lot. I was um, like eight hour shifts every day, basically, and covering other people's shifts. So I basically like work, uh, wake up, go to uh, work, come home, smoke, like just play video games, bed. And that was basically my entire day for like two years. And uh, school was basically that minus the smoking because I only started uh, when I was 17. So before that, it was like just uh, school and get home, video games, not read, nothing. Like it's really been the exact same in my entire life, really. In that sense. Hmm. It sounds to me like, I don't know, like you have interests and an ability to articulate yourself 
more than some people do. And so, you know, I, because when I was, uh, sorry, I, I, I know I keep interrupting you. Sorry. That's all right. It's Skype. It's, it's hard, hard not to go ahead. I was just going to say that uh, most often that was really like the intellectual type stuff was really all that was available to me because socialization was just off limits. So I remember even uh, like in grade eight, for example, my teacher hated me. So whenever there was a little altercation or whatever, she'd send me to the office. So I'd always be uh, on the computer there, like just reading like Wikipedia articles about like history or about this or that or the other thing. Um, I remember in in school too, I'd be uh, in grade six, I was sat beside a bookshelf. So I'd always be reading books from there uh, rather than paying attention to class because most of the stuff they were teaching, I already knew. So I didn't really care. So um, yeah, it was basically a lonely life. And that that really only exacerbated the problem really because uh, as I then educated myself further and my vocabulary became uh, more uh, like bigger and all of the kids that was like my, my age, they couldn't really relate to me as well anymore. And I did at that time I had such little social skills that I couldn't, I don't want to say dumb myself down because that sounds super pompous. I don't mean it like that, but like not sound condescending. Like I would Mm -hmm. use vocabulary that would make it sound like I was trying to sound smart, but I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do that. It was just, that was how I actually sounded. And they, they they sounded thought that I was being like a condescending asshole. I wasn't really. And yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get that. I I think uh, that's probably a common experience to a lot of intelligent people, Uh, you know, Again, it's not to sound uh, arrogant either, and I'm not calling either one of us intelligent, but let's just say that we can say that um, that does give you a feeling of being different as a kid, you know, and um, when you speak and the things that you say are more kind of serious or intellectual and you use a bigger vocabulary, you don't necessarily do it on purpose, but people can be put off by it sometimes. Um I do think that changes as you get older. And I think that, you know, people that have a lot of intellectual aptitude, um, well, there's, there's a, a role for those people in society, actually a, a pretty important one that is more and more valuable when people get older and really settle into adulthood and people that have that in common connect with each other as opposed to, you know, isolating. But the the question for someone like me is a getting to that point and b once at that point like does any of that make up for what was lost? I don't know. I can't definitively say that it does, but it's something to um, keep you maybe hopeful for something. Because for the last few years, that's basically like an isolated version of that's kind of been my plan. It's been just try to get a uh, electrician job and then maybe make enough money that I could just move into the uh, Northern Canada area and just kind of like live in isolation. But when I think about it, I'm like, I don't see a whole lot of difference between that and killing myself. I mean, it's just uh, waiting out the clock. And the only reason I like that is because I, li- I like nature and such. And I would like to uh, just basically be like the, the older I've gotten, actually it's been this weird paradoxical relationship I've gotten with loneliness where it crossed a threshold where I actually do enjoy my own company better than being with people now. But it's not so much as in, like, I enjoy it in the true sense of the word. It's just that it's far more comfortable. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate being around other people. Being around another person is expending, like, energy to me now Mm -hmm. because it's too hard to put on that mask. If 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 I'm truly me, me is, like, fucking depressing. So I don't want want to be around that person. But when I'm on my own, I can just be fucking me for once. And I don't have to deal with other people's fucking judgment. And 
So for the longest time now, my, my vision has just been like having a cabin in the woods with like a few dogs and just waiting with the fucking clock. But I mean, again, what's the, what's the difference in that? And just putting a bullet in my brain now. Well, the difference is that it's not final, that it leaves the, the possibility for things to change. And that if you enjoy the company of your dogs and of nature, then you can enjoy that. Um, I wonder too, if you ever feel like um, you connect with maybe authors or writers or people you read, if you enjoy sort of their company, if you know what Fictional I mean. Characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, a, a lot of my adolescence was spent searching for meaning in, in fiction to try to soothe the inescapable reality that I was living in. Was that something you enjoyed? Because I always considered reading, like hanging out with that author. And if you enjoy reading, then you're, you're in a way enjoying the company of the person who wrote the book. I don't know if I can ever say that I identify with the author per se, like thinking that consciously, like, no, okay. Yeah, um, no, but you can think about it consciously. <laughs> it's a way to look at it. There's a part of you that feels understood and understanding of the voice, the thoughts, the mind of what you're communicating with, you know? If you can relate to characters in a book, then there's somebody that wrote that book, and that somebody has thoughts that you can relate to. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Are there any fiction authors you like? I don't know, just various different works. There was one I remember reading, a couple of ones from that bookshelf I remember from school that I didn't remember the titles of and I could never find again. There was one that was amazing. It was a, a pers from the perspective of a slave being uh, captured from Africa, not understanding what the hell was going on. So like describing uh, the boats coming as like big wooden houses on like the ocean and things like that. And uh, his perspective of being basically like uh, forcibly like put into like a home and like the with white neighborhoods and like having to serve and everything like that. It was, it was a really good one. All different kind of like perspectives like that. Yeah. I even actually uh, read a few uh, Holocaust stories that uh, I found really compelling. Um, Nonfiction or, or fictional ones? No, no, like real. Okay. Yeah. So, um, do you still... I guess I have a, ten a tendency to go for the morbid in fiction because it's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, that's usually the more interesting stuff to write about. Again, it's, it's the point of if you enjoy reading fiction or nonfiction, then there are obviously voices that you connect to and there's a chance that you can reach other people by writing. It seems to me like you don't have any problem conversing with people when the issues of sort of what you feel to be external judgment and social interaction are kind of removed those barriers when it's say online or on the phone through writing. Um, you know, so you're talking about this conversation that I, that's because uh, of the context though, it's because we're talking about academic uh, discussions and we're not like, it's not like we're sitting down like friends at a restaurant, just talking about random things, right? Like it's, we're talking about a, a academic topic that we, you know, both have interest in or both connected to that's, yeah, but I mean, I, I know a great many people who talk about nothing but this kind of stuff all day. <laughs> and and they enjoy it. And there are, you know, there are other people who who enjoy it as well. And people end up connecting on those levels. Yeah, I uh, what you're saying isn't isn't wrong. It's just it often feels like a very cold comfort to someone who wants something more. 
and has always wanted something more, but has never been able to get it. Yeah. And I hear that too. Um, and I guess right. more frustrating even is just that, like, it's not that I view myself as, like you hear the word entitlement thrown around so often that that insults feel entitled to a relationship. And it's like, Oh, I think I've that's never bullshit. That I art. personally yeah. am entitled, but what bothers me about that is when you see men who are objectively worse, like I'm not saying that I'm a high value male by any, whether by incel like SMV standards or by normie like personality standards, either way, I'm not even saying I'm that like high value. I'm simply saying that there are objectively like the men, the guy that I know who spit on his girlfriend that I work with, like I would never do that. I, I feel that puts me in the least one category above him that I would never spit on a girlfriend or do anything like that. And the yeah. fact that I can't get a girlfriend, but he can, that speaks to me something so profoundly wrong with society. And, and I have to say with, I'm, I'm loath to say with women in general, because that's, I don't like to generalize. I really don't. But when that is universally my experience that I, I can't find a single one that would give me a chance that over someone like that, that's where the anger comes from. As the, as the, the female in that scenario, how can you justify that position when you say, yes, I will give someone who will beat me a chance to to have, be intimate with me and to have a relationship with me over you because why because I'm cringy because I'm because I'm awkward because I'm not confident because I'm short because like is that really of more importance than you being beaten like and and that's not every woman it's not like every it's not, not even the majority of women that would uh, would choose someone that would beat them over that but that that it's enough that would is disturbing and and it's upsetting yeah. I agree. It is. And it's unfair. Um, all I can say is, you know, blue pilled as it sounds, I do think that that the reason for that comes, you know, in part because of some of these sort of innate human preferences that we talked about earlier. And in part because of, I think, people's trauma and their negative experiences that they grew up with and their own hangups and their own issues and their own, you know, insecurity and their own patterns that they're familiar with of being treated badly or seeing people treating each other badly and thinking that that's the norm. Um, that people, if they're willing to go there and if they're willing to look and to try to change and improve can get out of their I've heard that before, but I've always been, I've always wondered as a response to that, because I, I assume in general, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, what you're going for is that, for example, uh, a woman who would tolerate an abusive relationship like that, maybe she had a history of like having parents who were abusive to one another and she normalized that and uh, she, she's maybe had another really abusive relationship in the past and she's just not really having high self-esteem and can't get out of the situation. I, I understand all of that and that's all real, but still, that woman, when presented with the option of, because it happens where she will, that, that woman, for example, will reject a quote-unquote incel for, because he, he's too, uh, whatever reason you want to give, whether you want to give a blue pill or black pill reason for that. Mm. And then after him comes the abusive guy and he gets in, like, like he, he gets accepted. I, I can't reconcile that. There's, there's no way in my brain that I can reconcile that that makes sense that on a logical, like, acceptable way. The only explanation for that is something that is un unacceptable. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're right. It, it is um, unacceptable, and it, it begins to converge with the, the territory that I think that that is something that 
um, changes for individuals with their life experience. At some point, maybe they realize that this is not um, healthy, that this is the it leads only to misery and they find a way to look into themselves and break those patterns. And that tends to happen a bit later in life if it happens at all. Right. Um, it's hard for people to overcome those things. Many people don't even bother looking there, but if they do, it usually happens a bit later. And so that's one of the reasons, you know, I, I, read a lot about this and I, I don't disagree with it on its face about the whole idea of, um, Women, when they get older, they settle for like the beta bucks and things like that because they want comfort and they want uh, stability, but they'll never really love that person. And the black pill has all kinds of reasons for it that I think sometimes go a little bit too far out of context, um, but that I can agree with, with some of them in a sense. But I think that these aren't really easy, neat equations. And I think that what is overlooked sometimes with the black pill is the fact that it takes people time sometimes to recognize and get over their bad patterns and value what is actually valuable. And if they do the work, then that happens and it might happen a bit later in life. It's completely dismissed in the black pill. In regards to the whole... Um when women reach their thirties, uh, they, 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 you know, settle down with the, the beta bucks and how the incels, like the, the mainstream sort of like black pill view on that is, I don't agree with that presentation of it, but I do identify with a grievance of it. So how, how they tend to present it is that, you know, women hit 35, they, their looks instantly hit the gutter. They now, uh, immediately search for a escape route male who they resent from the beginning to the end, uh, and right. I'm not saying that happens. Uh, that, that maybe that does, like, that does happen like, to some degree, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not even saying that happens a lot. But what I'm angry about is that, for example, I've had that conversation with my own mother where she's, she said to me that, oh, you know, like right now all the girls are, uh, they're immature and they're partying and they're, they're doing all uh -huh. that. But you just wait, when you hit your thirties, you know, th they'll realize you're really the, 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 the good male and the, the, they'll, they'll choose you. And I get offended by that because I'm like, not because of the incel reason of that, oh, it goes used up pussy, not that, but because <laughs> why does, does society and why did, why do women think that it's okay that for a decade plus of like my twenties, I should rot in loneliness and suffer while you get to go out and party. And then at the end, when you do want that security, not because just like solely because of uh, monetary uh, gains, maybe, but in the end, that's still being provided to you. You're still getting that uh, equal effort that I put in all those years of work into. Why then do you get that easy way out when I had to put in all that effort? That's not fair. That's the grievance. It's not that, oh, used up pussy. Oh, you know, it's just beta bucks. But it's like, it, there's a there's a genuine grievance that why do you get to have t 10 years plus of pure bliss of college parties while the rest of the, of the, the low value males need to just rot in loneliness like that, right. that is unfair no it is unfair and and it, it cannot be argued that uh life is unfair you know it, it is unfair um I, I just think that sometimes despite the fact that it's unfair um when if if that eventually happens for people, they they might find happiness in it, and they might not care so much that it's taken so long or been so unfair, you know. Um, I think where the insult view in that regard, uh, the, the the strong sort of like uh, thirty five looks hit the gutter sort of like view comes from. I think where all that resentment really comes from is that when you think about it from their point of view, is that like sorry, I lost my train of thought now. That's all right. Um, we're we're at uh, one thirty here, and I think that I might want to 
edit this down for tomorrow's episode, actually. Um, so let's wrap up for today. And uh, just tell me if you have any kind of last statements, uh, you know, you, you want to say in, in closing about what people should know and understand about this, this condition, this community, the situation. To just run down like a bullet point list, I would suppose I would say that uh, not like the, the public perception of incels as just this simple monolithic group that just universally hates women. They're all they all think the same. They're all these these just angry, resentful, entitled like all these buzzwords is so so alien and so wrong. You need to like actually give it a, anything more than a second glance to actually like understand this. What's going on here? Um, on top of that, I would just preach a little bit of empathy to, uh, if you know someone in your life who is like, it's, it's pretty obvious. I think like for the most part, if, uh, they're the kind of person who's an insult, like not from the sort of like toxic masculinity uh, mentality, but kind of, they're typically pretty withdrawn. You kind of can tell that like, they're not usually hanging out with people. If you know someone like that and maybe they're, uh, like having a rough time, maybe try to spend a little bit of time with them just on a human to human level. I don't know. Like, I think there's a really sore lacking in that in uh, our world there's I, I got that like once or twice like a year maybe in, in high school where like someone said hi to me like out of random like just to try to like be nice and those few times that that happened it literally felt like getting high on a drug because it was just that yeah. little bit of social interaction um and i remember like them like vividly still because of how rare they were so like that means everything to the person in the moment there i don't know aside from that really yeah Okay. Um, well, I, I think I'd like to possibly come up with some more directed questions to pick up again at some point, because we hit some interesting topics um, that I would like to touch back on again. But for today, uh, you know, that's, it's been uh, really interesting. And I think that um, Sorry, I, was, uh, I realized I was really rambly at some points. So I uh, didn't mean to dominate the conversation that much. No, no, no. It's uh, it's quite all right. I actually think that aside from length, I don't have to edit as much as I normally do because I think a lot of it was interesting. And I haven't had, um, you know, a, a chat like this in a while. So I, I think it, it'll, be, it'll be good. And I'm going to try to actually get some of it, as I said, down into an episode for tomorrow. Um, so... Thank you, Scorn Stoic. <laughs> um, Feels weird using that name out loud. That was just a name I came up with like on the fly, and it's weird to be identified with that name now. Well, if you want me to uh, go with a different one, I can. But <laughs> I oh, no, I'm, good... I'm just saying uh, it's weird to hear it out loud. So. Yeah, I bet you haven't heard it out loud very much. <laughs> um, all right, so um, let's talk again soon. Yeah. Alrighty, I would. Uh, I'll look forward to that. Okay, stay stay safe. Enjoy your uh, quarantining for now. <laughs> you as well. Enjoy your okay. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you later. Then. Okay. Tschüss. That's all for today, dear listeners. Thank you. Class dismissed. Stay safe. Stay strong. And let me know of any topics you'd like covered on the show. Over and out. If you or someone you know is struggling with feelings of hopelessness, please reach out to one of the links provided in the show description.